This episode of Box Cutters is supported by Ice TV, giving Box Cutters listeners the opportunity to get discounts on magic boxes <laughs> or 30% off an Ice TV subscription. Go to icetv.com.au forward slash box cutters to find out more. We're also supported by 3RRR, the greatest radio station in the world. Subscribe to RRRR before 22nd of September to be in the running for some great prizes. More details at rrr.org.au. And we're supported by Box Cutters listeners, supporting Box Cutters through extraordinarily generous donations. See the donate section at boxcutters.net. And thanks. Box Cutters. Box Cutters. Box Cutters. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 239. I can't hear you because it's too loud. That's because you have headphones on. Ah, my name is Josh Canal. To my left, also with headphones on, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, playing around with a monitor, Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. You are surrounded by monitors. You are the monitor maven. You're like the Howard Jones. I'm the monitor Jones. monitor. You're like Howard Jones of screens. That's what you are. Uh, as opposed to keyboards? Yeah. Because I've yeah. also got keyboards. You do also have keyboards. You, yeah. you, do, you do have lots of keyboards. You've got lots of, uh, lots of screens, but you've also got, uh, you know, there are parts of the desk that are also considered a monitor. Yes. So you just and monitor the monitor's up with the, uh, the cameras for the video there podcast. There is no video podcast. And, and, and also, also Howard Jones' there. keyboards were like, yeah, ones that played music, not for typing. It wasn't like, yeah, the world's best typing. How do you think Although, I'm playing this intro? <laughs> Although, uh, it's in, in my office, we do have uh, one of the Commodore 64, uh, put it on top of your typing keyboard, piano keyboards. Yes. That you could have for the Commodore 64 piano. It's the most useless thing we have in the office, I think. But, yeah. uh, but we do have one. Apart from you. <laughs> do you still have the Commodore 64 to uh, go with it? Yeah, we do. We Are you do. keeping we, up with the Commodore? We do. Because but we the Commodore is keeping up with you. We haven't plugged it in, uh, so we don't know if it if it works. But is we it, do have a whole lot of pirated games, and uh, and do you have to check all your websites on the Commodore sixty four to make sure they're compatible? We do, right. we do. It's the only thing we've got that'll still run AE five. Hey, but yeah, it's not uh, anyway. We've uh, we've moved on. Up. Easy script. We're uh, Geos. We're all uh, on Amigas now. Geos was one of the very first WYSIWYG uh, uh, word processors. I'm making all my websites in Logo. Little turtle. <laughs> Little turtle. <laughs> uh, it's box cutters, in case you are not aware. This is all about... Turtles. <laughs> on... Television. Turtles on television. Carrying the world. I like turtles. <laughs> Should we just make the show about turtles now? Yeah. Yeah, why not? Yep. Yeah. That's, uh, I've got things planned for television, though. You, you, I've got, you didn't bring any turtles. I did. I did. I've got nothing about turtles. Yeah, nothing. Nothing. <sighs> the show's all about turtles. How can you do about turtles? You I didn't know it was about turtles it's until just now. You said. You said it was going to be turtles. I know, but I did all my planning before you said that. Oh, bit. What did you do TV then? Don't make a big thing of it. Okay, fine. Well, how about if we review the uh, new American show Rubicon? That sounds just, like fun. Yeah, right. turtles got an R in it, and so does Rubicon. <laughs> uh, what about turtles uh, are from Rubicon? This is not, uh, you know, Rubicon's near Oberon or Little Oberon. That's the connection. You remember Little Oberon with the witch in and, sh- in and Shakespeare Siggy? in the Midsummer Night's Dream? No, I'm confused. 
The one that started out with the the telly movie. Oh, oh, Sigrid Thornton, Sigrid yeah. Thornton uh, has cancer, moves up to the country. Uh, the daughter, sea change, witch, and no, 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 sea change, yeah, mountain country. Oh, better roses. <laughs> yes. No, in Victoria, no, that was it. It was, yeah, it was better roses. Better roses. That firefighting one was it? That imagine if Fireflies. that had have, uh, continued and and through the fires. Late for school. I wonder. Did if you hear? I had a late for school joke last week in the show, John. <laughs> well done. Yeah. Well thanks. Done. Thanks. Because yeah. uh, Matthew, Newton, of course, in the news, and uh, and oh, surprise, surprise, uh, Bert Newton signed to. Uh, to Channel Nine, a current affair. Have an interview with him. Really? Yeah. It's odd. I know. Yep. Happened on Monday night. You didn't see it. You were too busy doing other things. Which Monday night? The, uh, the, mo- uh, Monday night, the thirtieth of August. August. <laughs> <laughs> this is show very Pinterest or something. It's just got a bit weird. Pinteresque. Pinteresking. I was going for Ionescu. Oh. Anyway, so this is Box Cutters. It's all about obscure theatre. No, it's all about television. So we're going to re- review the, sh- the show Rubicon. Uh, John, in uh, in uh, greatest TV characters of all time, you're going to talk about... A character that nobody nominated or voted for. Why are we talking about him? Because <laughs> she occurred to me the other day. Margot Ledbetter. I want to give a bit of love for Margot Ledbetter. If you Never don't recognise the name, I, I, will, I will play you some clips later. And I'm sure oh, you will be familiar. What a scintillating tease. Mm, I'm such a teaser. You are. Uh, in, uh, I'll, in, I'll definitely stay tuned. In letters, we're going to talk yet again about uh, Sesame Street, but uh, this time it'll be interesting, we promise. Hey, all the other times were interesting. Shut up, John. I don't know, it's just since now all the so, listeners think we all sound, sound alike. I sound, uh, I sound like Nelly, everyone says. So you and Nelly, we cannot tell you apart. Can't tell which is John Both Week, which is a Nelly Week. Mm. Yeah. Uh, That's why got, we got you. We've got one thing. We've got pork. As always, though, we're going to kick things off with the Box Cutters news, which is going to be better than this bit. And now for the news. What? Somebody changed the setting on the CD player. That's why I couldn't get the, the phone over the top of you as we we're coming in. Is that... Uh, I'll fix it. Is that the news? No, that's not news. That's not news? That's uh, what tech news. That's, it's not TV news. And in, and in news just at hand, Brett realises something. <laughs> uh, also, news just at hand, the networks cannot be trusted. The Australian Competition and Consumer Commission, uh, also known as... The ACCC. Thank you. Last week, asked Oztam's shareholders to appoint a new and independent chairman. Recently, a complaint was made by 10 Chief Executive Grant Blackley. Blackley? Yeah, Blackley. About the, uh, the, the way the audience for their 24-hour sport network, one, was mm. measured. There are lots of numbers in this story, by the way. And, just, and, and abbreviations. And, Oz, Oztam and, and yeah, nonsense. Yeah. Oztam, I think, is just the name of something. It's, it's weird, though. Because it's Oz and then capital T, capital A, capital M. Sounds like a sort of knockoff biscuit, doesn't it, really? Oztam. Mm. Television audience market. Mm. Sure. I'll Why buy not? that. Uh, the measurers. There you go. <laughs> measurers. Television audience measurers. <laughs> The world expressed a complete lack of surprise that Oztam might be in a compromising and even corruptible position, considering that its three shareholders are seven, nine, and ten. Mm. 
Each of those players appoints one representative on the Oztam Board of Directors, and now there will also be an independent director because the ACCC say it should be so. So basically I have to bribe four people now rather than three, is what you see. No, no, actually, three people rather than four is it? Because one of them I'm employing anyway, so... Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah, so you just have to bribe three three other people. Right. Uh, How is that going to improve things? Independent director. Yes. So that, uh, are you saying the directors are very hands-on? I'm saying this one is independent, Brett. Sure. So, with, with the entire set of free-to-air networks, mutual interests in Oztam and Freeview... The ACCC is yet to declare them a corrupted mess of collusionist pus. But that's surely just a matter of time. Surely. Uh, in 2008, this, uh, this surely will answer your question, Brett, mm-hmm. about, uh, about how it helps things. In 2008, former Queensland Premier Wayne Goss was appointed as the independent chairman of Free TV. Australia. Uh, no, the, the free TV board. Yeah, well, free TV Australia, yeah. free TV. Yeah. The one that runs those boring ads. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, so th- th- this has been seen as a success because, of course, there are none as incorruptible as a former Queensland politician. Mm. Russ Hins was apparently their first choice, but was unavailable due to being dead. I didn't know we were doing bits tonight. That's very good, though. I'm, I'm impressed. <laughs> yeah, I've decided to turn the news into bits, by the <laughs> way. Yeah. <laughs> By the way, I've, I've, written, I've written out the whole news as bits. Yeah. You've got five minutes for Akma. Go yeah, on. yeah, yeah. <laughs> so that only went... Uh, that was, that, that was uh, the, the initial counting for uh, 10's 1HD channel from memory, wasn't it? Yes. But, uh, they complained yes, they, about it. Yes, they complained. They said, oh, you weren't counting it properly. Yeah. And, uh, and then when it was, we, we are, we are so, no, you're not. I'm going to go and speak to Uncle Acker. And so they go and speak to the ACCC, and, uh, and the ACCC said, well, you must have an independent person. It's not going to help anything help. at all. It's, it's not going to help anything at all, no. because there, there is a complete uh, corruptibility in amongst all three of them. It's just, it's a sham. Oztam's a sham. It always has been. They won't answer any questions about how they measure things. It's a chicken. It is. We've known for a long time it's the chicken. Almost five years now, Josh. (laughs) It is really just the chicken. Uh, I ask you a question, gentlemen. When is seven not seven? When it's seven two or seven mates or... Seven mates? Seven mates, yeah. The the additional Channel 7 channel coming up. It's been called Seven Mates. Seven Mates. Has that news just passed you by completely? It has completely. I like 11. I, I found 11 very clever. How many, how many Spinal Tap references do you think we're going to get out of Oh, endless. 10s? But I did love the idea that everyone's always going, oh, no, 7-2. I don't know. Go! And someone went, oh, it's just uh, oh, Brett, another you had, one. You actually you had, some, you had something about 11. Can, can we talk about 11? Because I, I don't really know what it is, except it's got a really nice logo that reminds me of the old Channel 10 uh, logo. Old cha- it's so bizarre. That it's the uh, rounded box with uh, a 1 and a 1 next to it's it. It's beautiful. Uh, oh, that's nice. Very much yeah. in the uh, the old font of the uh, the former Channel Ten logo. Uh, they've officially announced their third digital channel entitled Eleven, which uh, will target distinctly youthful viewers aged between thirteen and twenty nine, and will be, begin broadcasting early next year. Probably most controversial though, would be Neighbours, isn't it? Neighbours is Neighbours being is shunted from Neighbours 10 is going to eleven to eleven. Yep. Yeah. Uh, also uh, shows such as Futurama, the Cleveland show, and Supernatural Star. 
Margot, Dexter, Smallville, The Office, Nurse Jackie, and 90210. Along you with love the, the Cleveland show. How, how is Nurse Jackie stuff? for 16 to 29-year-olds? <laughs> yeah, they love that stuff. Because they're into the drugs, I think. They're, they're really they're mad for middle-aged oh, women. Yeah. <laughs> so with, with uh, Eleven coming on board, they're also shaking up their uh, early evening lineup between the 5pm news bulletin, which uh, will continue to be a local one-hour production, Followed up by a national news type program, uh, and then into the seven pm project. Uh, so what, I believe. Uh, did we report last week that Jennifer Byrne was in discussions with Channel Ten to do a newsy thing? Uh, no, I think you mentioned it in your notes, but I don't think we mentioned it out loud. So what's I think ten we thought it in got, our heads? What's ten got left? It sounds like 10's shunting virtually anything that's product off to eleven. Oh, Simpsons are going over there, but but it's going to be news from five till seven thirty on ten. Or or news, on news or news related on ten. Okay, it's weird, isn't it? It's almost like ten's going. We want to be less commercial than our spin-off arm. Um, well, I think they're just trying to get a new audience, and rather than cannibalize uh, their own, the, their main channel, they'll they'll move their successful audience uh, who know how to. Go to Channel 11. Channels. Yeah. Yeah. They'll move them and go, okay, well, and this is how we'll reinvent 10 as, uh, as, a, new, as a new service. Mm-hmm. Oh, that I think, I think that's really interesting. Yeah, no, there'll, interesting. Be, there'll be a second local news bulletin at 6.30 on Channel 10 before 7 p.m. project. So, so five, five till 6 o'clock. And then what's happening at 6 o'clock? News, 6 o'clock, a national news-based program. Right. Till 6.30. Live at 5. Let's just call that live at 5. At 6. At six. Live at five at six. And then a, uh, another news service locally produced at, at 6.30. Going for half an hour. And then... 7 p.m. Project. 7 p.m. Project. And then Modern Family. Yes. Every right. night. I, I, find that, I find that really interesting. I think, you know, at least they're doing something interesting. I think, unlike, I think unlike off the channel back nine of, who, of 1HD, uh, I think that Channel 10 have been the most gutsy in, in the way that they've gone digital. Uh, and they haven't just set up a, a side stream that they put repeats of uh, Frasier and, and Seinfeld. It, it does seem on. that they're the people who have actually grasped the concept of how it can work, isn't it? There's things like saying, okay, all the shows you think of as being our successes, we're putting into 11, which Channel 9 obviously sees Go as being the, the second-rate cousin. It's the dumping ground. It's the dumping mm. ground, yeah, for where, them. Where they put stuff that they've got absolutely no confidence in, such as community, and and yes. then just completely don't publicise yeah. the fact. Right. And 10's John- obviously gone, 11 is, is just as good as 10, it's just as valid as 10, so we'll... And also, 11, 10 plus 1, I think that's hilarious. I, I don't, I'm really impressed by that. John and I had, uh, had coffee earlier. Uh, we were supposed to talk about something. I'm not entirely sure what it was because John spent the entire time talking about how good community is. Because it's so good. And it's no, so good. And nobody's catching up. Well, because well, yeah, well, we watched it for Box Cutters yeah. whenever it was ages ago. And I didn't get around to watching beyond about episode eight or nine. I, mean, I oh, loved it. No. But, and I, was, I, was, I was getting a friend from the States to send it over as quickly as possible. It just gets better and better. And uh, the, the paintballing episode, quite possibly one of the best comedies I've ever seen. Uh, and it's just that thing of every time I mention it, people go... Oh yeah, it's on before something else I like watching. It's all right. It's like, no, no, it's You're wrong. Really good. It's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. Last week, Seven Group Holdings announced a two-month profit of seven hundred and eighteen million dollars. This is a bit. Yeah, I'm, I'm just asking because I won't inter- inter- interrupt if it is. <laughs> <laughs> 
I would hope that after five years, Brett, you would have learnt not to interrupt anyway. But clearly, that's not the case. It's all about I, the I represent the timing. listener. <laughs> Seven Group Holdings is a massive company headed by Kerry Stokes that owns a bunch of mining interests, some Chinese bank. How big's Kerry Stokes? He's he's not that big. Not okay. as big not big enough to fit all of this inside him. So he's a massive company hosted by a little person. When, no, regular size. I actually think he's regular sized. No, okay. When sure. the prospect of uh, bringing all of his holdings into one company uh, arose, I think that was the first time I'd seen him, and I was very surprised at, at how different he was to my mental picture of him. As an enormous kind of puppet overlord. Well, no, no. I think he was wearing a uh, Groucho Marx nose and moustache. <laughs> my my mental picture was somebody tall and lean and older. Hmm. Well, uh, Seven Group Holdings owns a bunch of mining interests, some Chinese bank. That's true. A little bit of consolidated media, about the same amount of West Australian newspapers, as well as part owning the Seven Media Group with private equity firm Kohlberg, Kravis and Robert. The Seven Media Group mm-hmm. owns the Seven Network, which runs Seven, Seven Two and the soon-to-launch Seven Mate. Yep. The television portion of that profit, so just those last things that I mentioned, is only $288 million. So... What was it last year? I don't know. I don't know what it was last year. Is it up? Is it down? Or are they not? Are they not talking? Discre- you know what? Discreetly Two, about their media holdings and two hundred and eighty-eight uh, million dollars <laughs> made my chair fall. <laughs> Two hundred eighty-eight million dollars. Did anyone for- forget that I said at the top that they made seven hundred eighteen million dollars in two months? Two months, people. Clearly, television is the market we should be getting into. Isn't television dated? Don't we keep being told that? Sorry, when I say television, I mean mining and banks. Mm. <laughs> They're the markets we should be getting into. Let's do dramas about mining and banks and sell them to ourselves. Let's mine some banks. Oh, nice idea. Nice idea. Brett, have you got something? Uh, what were you uh, thinking uh, of? No the, idea. Uh, uh, ACMA uh, have uh, come out and said, uh, in, in the face of Channel 9, I promoting- believe it should be the ACMA promoting the Australian Communications and Media Authority, brackets ACMA. The ACMA. Their logo is less interesting. I have it here. Look, I have an ACMA report in my hands. Oh, that's really boring. Yeah. In the face of Channel 9 promoting a 3D NRL grand final, uh, saying, uh, yeah, Channel 9, you guys don't have a license to uh, broadcast in 3D. What the hell do you think you're doing? You owed us, actually, a report within 30 days of the first trial 3D broadcast uh, going through and explaining any issues that you had with reception equipment, interference reports, uh, any uh, audience complaints and inquiries. Gee. And that uh, has not been forthcoming. And uh, even once that is uh, submitted to ACMA, if it ever is, then ACMA need to consider that report before any further 3D broadcast licenses will license? be granted. Yeah. yeah because I have it, no it, idea. You actually it needs, need a license. Because it needs to be uh, on a different spectrum, different bandwidth, and you, you actually need to be allowed to... Uh, to broadcast on that particular bandwidth. Uh, so if they don't have permission to do it, they can't do it. But Channel 9, they're, they're rebels. 
they're rebels. Well, Channel 9 did come out and say they did not seek to preempt a decision from ACMA regarding the issue of a licence. They also didn't seek a decision from ACMA. (laughs) Is actively working with ACMA to secure the necessary licences. Backpedal, backpedal, backpedal. What I liked about this... uh, when is seven not seven story is that uh, you know th- through all of that convolution, what what we end up understanding is that uh, the seven media group is co-owned by an investment firm, which is Nine's problem. So Nine's that is completely owned by an investment is, firm. is that it's owned by an investment firm, uh, and the investment firm doesn't know how to run a, a television TV network, network. Yep. Uh, but. Clearly, Channel 7, which is part-owned by an investment firm, has the other part of it just being run by people who know how to run a TV network. Clearly, it's not that hard. Someone messed up. Yes. Someone messed up. And lastly in the news, the world comes to an end. Oh, that's a shame. Yeah. Uh, The makers of the iPhone game Angry Birds have spent the past few weeks meeting studios in Hollywood to gauge interest in, amongst other things a television series based on the game that is just like every other game available for the platform. No, it's not. Yeah, it is. No, it's better. <laughs> no, it's, it's pretty it's, much it's, the it's same. It's one of my favourite, and it, it, Are it's you constantly fight updated. Over, over the with, qualities of Angry Birds? new <laughs> levels. I don't see how you, make, how you turn that into a narrative. Beyond, uh, you know, maybe, well, a, maybe a kid's I've got a bit coming up to, to 11-year-old. They have do, actually do talked to, about a feature film as well, but yeah, go I t- on. I, I've got a bit coming up. Go on. Go on to your bit. Yeah. Go on. Rovio, the company behind the game, told Variety that it's easier to try to exploit a single game for as much as the dumb suckers in Hollywood will pay than to try to hit the target on the spinning dartboard that is success in the iTunes store. I am, of course, paraphrasing. Oh, okay. What did they really say? No, pretty much that. Oh, okay. P- pretty much that. Uh, anyway, we all remember how good the Pac-Man television series was, and also there was all that critical acclaim for Mario Brothers movie. So did you this see, idea is a cinch. Did you see the AV Club actually covered that, and the headline was "Angry Birds to be made into film because that's just how this stuff works these days." <laughs> <laughs> My favorite headlines ever. So yeah, they're, they're looking at film, TV, and toys uh, for w- what is this month's favorite game. Uh, it's it's craziness. There's there is no television show there. There isn't. If anyone thinks there is, I will show you uh, what was that horrible film about the Neanderthal men? That cavemen, cavemen, cavemen. from the, uh, the advertising campaign. based yeah. based on an advertising campaign that was not that great to start with. Hey, what about Smurfs? Uh, there wasn't much storyline there, really, and they stretched that out. Yeah, but they already had characters for some Angry Birds. They've just got Angry Birds. They've got Angry Birds, and they've got and proud pigs, mean pigs. That's pretty much it. Some, yeah, I could, some oh, of them have oh, sorry, army so, helmets. Sorry, Can you just, hard hats. Just say that hard hat pig. Just say that. Just say that's first bit again. So they got Angry Birds, and they've got mean pigs, and the rest writes itself. <laughs> <laughs> and that is the box cutters news. Hello, I'm Courtney Hocking. If you want to hear about sports and cars... No, that's the wrong show! Oh, television, then uh, listen to Box Cutters. It's pretty great. Uh, <laughs> Rubicon. <laughs> I just... Sorry, I thought I wrote the wrong running order on your, uh, on your sheet. Did you? No, no, I didn't. Rubicon. It's just for some reason I have last week's uh, notes here. Let me throw yeah. them away. <laughs> Luckily, you're so In professional, the Josh. No one would have picked that up listening. Not a no. single listener has noticed. 
Haven't they? Just keep they, moving. Have they noticed? Like a shark. Like keep a moving. shark. Like a shark. Will Travers works as an intelligence agent analyst. I'll start that. Can I start that again? Yeah, like a shark. I ruined that. Shark. Okay. Will Travers works as an intelligence analyst in a government think tank based in New York City. He's a smart loner who is respected by his peers and he is about to stumble into a major conspiracy. This is the world of Rubicon. Airless officers with very little daylight play a large part in producing the claustrophobia of this series. Will Travers will slowly uncover a series of clues that will lead him further and further down the rabbit hole into greater and greater peril. Then, I know you're bored already, John, but then (laughs) there's a subplot that features Miranda Richardson as the young widow of a rich man who has committed suicide after filling in a crossword or something. (laughs) Might be find a word. I'm not sure. It's the jumble. The show is created by Jason Horwich. Yes, his name is Horwich, who has done a handful of very little prior to this show. What, what is this? Is it a drama or a comedy? It's a drama. Okay. Uh, it appears on AMC, which is the cable network that also has Mad Men and Breaking Bad. That's the all music channel. <laughs> uh, Brett. Did you like Rubicon? You've seen three episodes of it. John, you've seen none of it? No, I'd never heard of it until you started that introduction then. I've seen five episodes of it. Oh, I've seen four. I'm gripped. Really? I am. I thought you would be. I am. It's I don't sad, know why I sounded so surprised. It's all so dark and, and you know, there's there's so much mystery in it and it's shot in that way as well. There's, like, just the, the atmosphere of, of how it's filmed adds to that uh, shadowy figure's skulking in the shadows kind of stuff. It is shot very nicely. Mm. It is shot very nicely. See, obviously, your description sounded strangely vague. Uh, I don't know. It sounded a bit like, like a whole bunch of other ideas kind of jammed together. Is, is, it, is it distinctly its own thing? No. It's, uh, it's, a, it's a solve the clues storyline, uh, which I instantly have a problem with because uh, once the clues get solved... So it, it can only go one of two ways. Either it they keep making up clues and it just goes into a, uh, a a pit of craziness where they just try and get more and more conspiratorial. Once they sold the first one, then everything's in a warehouse and uh, it's it's crazy monster of the week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that's not until right, the second so, season. So it's, so it's either that or, or what happens in the second season. It's the, same, it's the same problem that they had with Prison Break. Or they just have one season. Or they just have one season, uh, which no one really goes for. No one really goes, oh, we're only going to have one season of this show, even though I think that's a great idea. Uh, the, so so th- there are those problems. It's, it's either the second season is never going to be as good as the first if they solve everything in the first season, mm. or the clues just get more and more ridiculous. Uh, there's only so much I of- think there's been a case of that, though. The, not, the, the clues that have come up, not yet. As he's been investigating, it's only five episodes. Haven't become ridiculous at all. He's just finding out more. Yes, but I, I have to say, and after the first, after the first three through. episodes, I was bored because I was like, oh, this can only go one of two ways. It can only go one of two ways. Well, cross that bridge when you come to it, Josh. No, I was already, uh, I was already bored. You know what I was most most bored by the Miranda Richardson subplot. I see no reason for it whatsoever. Well, well, other other than to give uh, give James Badge Dale, who plays Will Travers, to give him a break every now and then. You don't have to come in today because we're filming Miranda Richards and stuff. 
And that's, I mean, you, that doesn't mean she is going to become important down the line, which I guess is probably not they, great either. But they aren't necessarily going to intersect. They're both connected with the same... Yeah, but I find I find her entire... Conspiracy that's not necessarily a theory. I find but, her entire journey just boring. Like, I, I see no reason for it to, to be in there. Whereas if she had appeared, uh, say, eight episodes down the line where his clues lead him to her mm. uh, then because the series starts with his suicide right the series starts with Miranda Richardson's husband's suicide, husband's suicide. Yeah. Her, her name is Catherine Rumor everyone's names are silly in this show I know uh, and uh, and so it starts with, with his and if it had just started with that and then we go oh what's that about and then eight episodes later through following his clues, he comes across Miranda Richardson. I think that would have been more interesting because her journey so oh, that's far... That's very linear. It's definitely a show that you've got, it's a linear you've got show. to pay so much attention to. It's, it, you can't sit back and watch this thing. You've got to be The show is linear. Following it. You have to follow the names as it's going through. No, no, but it's not because his journey and her journey... Are going in parallel. Yeah, things that go in parallel are ne- linear. <laughs> they're, they're two lines side by side. That's what parallel means. Yeah, but it's not his journey and then her journey, and that's the one line. That's what I mean by linear. Yeah, but that's not what linear means. Also, you said they would intersect, so, so in fact Brett's not saying they're parallel. But he just said they were parallel. Yeah, but he means they're going to intersect. Well, they're both trying so they're to converging. figure out well, could the curve. mystery of, of what's Lines going on. So, so Will Travers's boss has, been, has died mysteriously in a, in a large train accident. Or has he? But things look a bit dodgy. Or do they? Sorry, but I'm not helping. <laughs> no, no, that's, 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 that's pretty much it. He's died, he's died in a large train accident. Or has he? He's left some clues for... Uh, for Will, but he must have done a lot of preparation to get these clues together. Maybe the clues themselves are part of the conspiracy. We don't know. There are just questions upon questions upon questions that you could ask. And that's why I find this show a little bit boring. And yet you watched Lost for like seven years. Mm. Yeah, because Lost, because Lost, the characters were really interesting. The, I don't know, 14 (laughs) years of Lost I watched. Actually, I've watched some episodes more than twice, so... Yeah, thirty or forty years worth of life. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I look pretty good for my age. Yeah. Is what I'm saying. But you're saying you found the characters interesting. The the characters in Lost, I I think are, are fun, and there's, uh, there's there's a lot more than just the clues and the mystery in Lost. There's the uh, interactions here. There's just Will Travers, and everyone else seems. No, but he he moves into a position in and like the the. The, identi- the identity of the organisation that he works for is not something that we're that that I was aware of. Um, I'm not sure if it's something made up for the I show. Think, I think it's made up it for the does, show. It does work with the CIA and FBI and all the all the security I like, agencies. I like the, the head the head of this uh, intelligence agency, Have Spangler. You- I, th- I think he is. Yeah, his name's Spangler. I think he is a fun character. Do you think he's a he's just a bureaucrat? No, I think he's a fun character. <laughs> but who is he? I reckon the ultimate villain's going to be called Dennis Smith. Have you picked up on his connection with the other 
line. Yeah. The other storyline. Yeah, they had coffee I, I did together. find it distracting that, uh, that who had coffee together? Spangler and who? Well, it was one of the guys. I did find it distracting that he sounded so much like the father from Elf. Did you notice that? And it was it was only because of that that voice that he's got that I first picked uh, that connection because it was. It, but he's he not, was only ever in silhouette, but you heard the voice. But he's not Willie from Elf. No, he's not. He's not. He's Let not. me just uh, make that clear. Uh, look, I I don't think it's I don't think it's like Warehouse Thirteen or whatever that show with Joshua Jackson was uh, that are you know all these other conspiracy puzzle solving shows. Supernatural. No, not Supernatural. Because you're into Supernatural. Supernatural is a great show. Uh, Supernatural is not it's about the devil's clues. conspiracy. Yeah, it's, it's not a conspiracy show. Supernatural <laughs> It's in no way a conspiracy show. What sort of show is it? It's a horror. Supernatural. <laughs> it's Supernatural is a horror. Have you not read my review of Supernatural? That's on the Boxcutters blog. Yeah, it was a while ago. Though. You, don't read, a, you don't read it every day. It's, you don't read it every day to remind yourself, <laughs> so you don't ask me stupid questions during a show. No. I'm not sure it was stupid, um, <laughs> but I, I um, I'm very, very much drawn in, and and like even from, I, I think what really hooked it's, me it's at better the than outset prison break was well, was the train, because you like a train. No, the the as as it? everything seems to be kind of going along swimmingly, and suddenly. You're looking at the front of a train and there's another one about to come past and the points are switched and suddenly it's it's a head-on. So you, you so you go, oh, wow, these people must be really powerful. No, it was you, just... You just like train violence. I was... Train on train action. I was somewhat shocked I, by that. It's, it, it is better than Prison Break. It is better than oh, all the shows that I'm comparing yeah. it to. So much better than Prison Break. But, but and maybe it's just because I'm too cynical. Like, I just know... I will guarantee you there won't be a stupid freaking southern character with a fake wooden hand anywhere through this series. So you say that now. I guarantee yeah, rock solid. You can lock it in. You, you say that now and then come episode nine where you so owe me five bucks. Yeah. <laughs> if, um, there, if there is what you've got to give me five bucks. Look, it's going to get okay. cancelled in the second season anyway, isn't it, before anyone finds out what happens? Uh, no, it's AMC, so they'll uh, they'll they'll just let it go until it... Uh, until it digs itself into a hole. Yeah, nice. And it's only a six-episode series. Oh, oh, is it? Yes. Oh, so I've only got two episodes to go. I may as well watch the rest of it. Might as well. Man, there's some really bad radio shows on, but you know they're really, really bad when they have to be a podcast that, like, absolutely no, not even the shittiest community radio station in the world can play them, and they have to do a podcast. Helen. Oh, hi, I'm John Safran, and you're listening to Box Cutters. It's a podcast where all the winners are. <laughs> and now, with a message from our sponsor, here is Brett Cropley. Josh, John, before buying a DVD, PVR, or Magic Box of any variety, check to see, John, John, pay attention, check to see if it's an Ice TV compatible box. He was just checking his phone to see if it's an Ice TV compatible Nokia. Ice TV is a service that finds all your favourite shows on digital free-to-air TV and tells your magic box to automatically record them for you. I wish now I'd written automagically. 
You can set your magic box to record TV shows from wherever you are using Ice TV's web interface or one of the available mobile phone apps for iPhones and Android phones. The television functionality you've always wanted for, from Modern Living is finally available to you with Ice TV's wonderful service. I'm very happy with that line. <laughs> from Modern Living? Modern what does that mean? It's, that's meaningless. From it's, modern living, it's it's exactly what you want from apart, modern living. Apart from the from, oh, I, oh, I suppose so. Because he said from, that comes with that. Get it? Is that modern living? Can I have some iced TV, please? No, no, no. It's it's, it's from exa- the world of the future. <laughs> that's that's pretty much it. When I wrote that line, I was thinking, wow, iced TV. It's like in that. Uh, it's like Ma and Pa Kettle go to the city. Do you remember that? Do you remember that Ma and Pa Kettle movie? Ma and Pa Kettle go to the city. They come across a lot of money and they go to the city and they've got this. Uh, they, they've got this house and the house has all these automatic electronic things that that happen. It's the it's the house of the future. And uh, and so I was thinking, Ice TV is a lot like that. It's let's, what you want from modern living. Let's get to the end of this because there'll just be thirty angry comments on the blog. So come on. <laughs> now there's never. A- any reason to miss an episode of your favourite show and you can get recommendations for new shows to watch based on your viewing history. Ice TV is pleased to offer Box Cutters listeners three specials for a limited time only. Purchase a set-top DVR or a USB digital tuner for your Mac or PC at a great discount with a three-month Ice TV subscription included. If you already have a magic box of some kind, you can purchase a 12-month subscription to the Ice TV service with 30% off the regular price. Just go to http colon slash slash... <laughs> you know how to read a web address. <laughs> Just go to icetv.com.au slash boxcutters to get all the information you need to take part in this special Offer. He's got a lovely reading there. voice, though. It's a lovely he reading a, he voice. He has a fantastic reading voice. Can I also point out, I yeah. realised last week that uh, Nelly in the pre-roll at the, at the start of the show, uh, she says forward slash. I'm sorry about that, everybody. I am sorry that Nelly says forward slash when really she just means slash because obviously a slash is a slash. Hey, hey, what, what do you call an edible fish that's got fingers? Digital tuna. Hey! <laughs> just made that up there. That's genius. <laughs> icetv.com.au slash boxcutters and you can find out all about the uh, wonderful things that boxcutters have in store for our listeners. End of sponsorship announcement. Hi, this is Scott Brennan and I'm bang up for a bit of digital reception on boxcutters. I've had my box well and truly cut. Now, John, who is this character who is now part of the greatest TV characters of all time that nobody voted for or mentioned or, or even nominated? Suggested. Or even suggested. Margaret, because I mean, we are, we, we said we are continuing this, aren't we? The, we, the, we, the, the, the greatest TV. We, we, we're going on as a concept. It, we, we'll be going on stuff. as a concept even, even after, even after we, uh, we announce the list, which we still haven't done because we're waiting for Nelly to do something. Right, so magic. Anyway, so I was thinking the other day about characters, and it suddenly occurred to me that Margot Ledbetter was someone worth celebrating. Um, Who? What? Now, now I'm going to give you, this will probably give horrible, horrible flashbacks for some of the audience. I'm going to play this theme tune, which may bring back some memory. Here we go. No! No, it's Felicity Kendall! Yeah. No! I hate Felicity Kendall! It's this is the theme tune from The Good Life, which uh, those of our age may remember the ABC used to play roughly every 13 and a half minutes back in the <laughs> late 70s and 80s. Um, it, it was about... When, when they weren't showing 
bits of Q9. <laughs> I know. It, it was about the, the good family, the good life, you see? Because ah. it was vitally important back then that the characters' surnames be in the title. Oh, uh, like Johnny Be Good. That's one. Uh, Tom and Barbara, played by Richard Bryce and Felicity Kendall, decided to escape the rat race and become self-sufficient in their suburban house and yard. Ran from Hippies. S- uh, well, kind of, yeah. It ran from 1975 to 78. Weirdly, it started the same year as Survivors, which I know we reviewed the remake, oh. which was like the Richard Hatch. No, 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 no. The the no, Rich, Richard Hatch was uh, in Battlestar Galactica. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yes, not that yeah, one. Yeah. Uh, the Terry the Nation. A, a, a series about a virus that wipes out everyone and they all have to survive by growing uh, fruit and vegetable. For, so, for people who, who can't remember uh, Survivors, here's a, a little bit from the remake. No! <laughs> no! They're all dead! Bum, 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 bum! Did that for six episodes. It was tedious. But, um, but yeah, so 1975, you had this, this weird thing of both the sitcom and the, the, the harrowing drama of the same thing about growing fruit and vegetables. <laughs> Um, <laughs> self-sufficient farming. Self-sufficient farming was very, very in. <laughs> now, the, the Goods' next-door neighbours, and this is where we get to Margot, were the Ledbetters, played by Penelope Keith and Paul Eddington. And Margot Ledbetter was... Who, who were also into The Men Are Born. Uh, well, uh, Penelope Keith went on to do to The Men Are Born. Uh, Paul Eddington went on to do Yes Minister. Oh, Yes Minister, that's right. Um, curiously, Paul Eddington's role was meant to be played by Peter Bowles, but they couldn't get him, who went on to be in to it, The Men Are Born. Born. In fact, um, Richard Bryce was the only kind of well-known actor in this, it, and it made the other three into celebrities, uh, those stars. It was a huge... It was still, in 2004, it came ninth in Britain's best sitcom vote. Um, the last episode ever made was a, a Royal um, Command performance. Do you remember the, the ABC used to play this one? This no. It starts off like live on stage. Yeah, it starts off with theatrical piece, and it starts off with like a kind of "Hello, I'm I'm here for the Royal Command performance. The Queen is now entering, and Prince Philip, and they're taking their seats here at the BBC House. And now we'll go into this week's episode. All the good life. And, and at the end, there's actually a bit where they would they would line up and shake hands and stuff. It was, it was on the beginning as book, part of the show, bookending the show. Yeah, it was this weird bookend on this. Sure. Anyway, the reason we, we want to mention, though, is Margot Ledbetter, who, she's the next-door neighbour, she's stuffy, she's a conservative, she's, she's you know, meant to be the no-fun character, and as a kid, you know, I, I viewed her as all the things, obviously, the show wanted me to see her as, and the snob. As the years have gone past, I, I find myself warming to her more and more, and in fact... How often do you watch The Good Life? I don't, but I do... As you lurch further and further to the right. Well, no, it's more like Margot, Margot has this way of sort of showing up. In things, a, a, a fr- friend of mine in, in in the UK, we used to refer to. She had a selection of dresses we called the Margot Ledbetter collection. And if we went to an op shop and found a particularly hideous Margot frock, she would have to buy it. And there's a, a there's a designer, fashion designer called Margot Ledbetter. There's um, in two thousand as, as some sort of homage or as, just as, no deliberately, like deliberately, they've named herself after after Margot. There was uh, in two thousand three a BBC mockumentary called Life Beyond the Box, Margot Ledbetter, describing Margot's life since the series had finished. Uh, and I just think it's interesting you watch it now, and I think you find that Margot is a very bold character. She's got you know a. a, a very distinct dress sense. She's certain of who she is. She has a certain purpose. She has a strange dominatrix sexuality. And later on, she went on to uh, become the principal at that please sir school, didn't she? Did she? Not? Oh, no. She, no, she could have. No, no. <laughs> but you remember how horrible that headmistress was? Yeah, yeah. But that's the role she went to oh, play no, in later th- life. You're thinking of uh, Mrs. Garrison uh, in Facts of Life. No, Mrs. Yeah. Garrison was okay. We'd leave you Google Good Life. You keep finding facts of life coming up as well. Uh, and I just think if you were going to make the show now, Margot would probably be the character you'd be most willing to follow. At the time, Margot and, and Jerry were meant to be just occasional 
you know, characters, the occasional mm. and and they they realised very early on they were going to be in everything. And um, and we have a clip here now. Being a seventies sitcom, of course, it's not remotely funny. But uh, let's have a listen to, to this scene in which the goods have had a problem. The soot has come out of their chimney, <laughs> and they've had to go around next door to use the bath. Oh. I sometimes wonder what you'd do if you didn't have us living next door. Well. Would you like one of our drinks while you're waiting to use our bath? Ah, uh, now we've got to draw the line somewhere, Margot. Two large gin and tonics, please. Very well. Only, um... Yes, we'll try and keep our fallout to the minimum. Thank you, Barbara. Well, isn't this... No. I was going to say, isn't this nice, but it isn't really, is it? It's different, though. Well, the bath's running. Yeah, what are we all doing out here? We're having drinks and all. <laughs> Oh, you didn't want to make anything dirty. Well, different anyway. Thank you, darling. Well, isn't it? No, I said that. <laughs> oh, I know something interesting we can talk about. Mrs. Dooms Patterson's horse has dropsy. <laughs> now, what's funny about it? Well, it's the inevitability of it, really. I mean, Mrs. Dooms Patterson was weighed 20 stone. She is the wife of the local conservative agent. What's that got to do with her weighing 20 stone? Good manners. We leave personal insults to the socialists. We? <laughs> Margot, you underlined that. Oh, well, it's out now. I suppose i better tell you. I had tea with Mrs. Dooms Patterson this afternoon, and she has prevailed upon me to become an active force for the local conservative party when the country comes to its senses and demands a general election. Oh, Lord. That means you'll be coming around here breaking the furniture. I should have thought that was a small price to pay if it means ousting this present rabble. And who moved that picture? Oh, don't look at me. I suppose it just moved itself. <laughs> Does anyone have anything to say? So that's Margot Ledbetter, who I think I think well deserves to be celebrated as a great character. What was it about television? English comedies of that time that made them all unfunny? Uh, were they? Were they? I mean, I'm assuming they were funny then. Were they? Really? I, I don't. I, no, I don't know. I'm guessing. Well, they, they must have been because they were popular. And they, but they continued to be. Was popular. it just because the, the, well, I mean, the, the British good, public I've, was so repressed no, by a Thatcher right that, government? But here, though, but I mean, the good life was repeated years. here up until uh, late eighties, at least. I'm Only thinking because it was cheap. The, I don't know. I have to say, uh, there are bits of Are You Being Served that are still funny today. Uh, clearly, there are bits of The Good Life that are still funny today. I, I believe they would all be Margot bits. Well, I was going to say, individual lines in there actually do make me laugh. That line, I was going to say it's nice, but it isn't really. It's actually, it's, it's you know, nicely written, beautifully performed. Yep. It's just the idea that you're meant to be laughing at the, uh, the people covered in soot waiting to use the bath. That, that you kind of go, well, that's just not really funny. So, yeah, I don't know. It's weird that I think... Margot in that show is the thing that an audience today would most link to and most be able to understand the comedy from because we probably wouldn't be terribly happy if our next-door neighbours became hippies and kept borrowing our bath. I'm not. <laughs> well, you live in St Kilda. That yeah. is the risk. That, that, that is, that is going to happen. So, Margot Ledbetter, where can people find out more about her? Uh, do you know if it's, is Good Life available on um, DVD? DVD? It is indeed. Um, it is in Australia. All four series were released in their entirety, uh, apparently in NTSC, according to this. It's a little bit weird. Um, yeah, series, especially coming from the UK. And it's weird. So, the Series 4 release on two DVDs also contains an interview with Richard Bryce, as well as the Royal Command performance episode. Right. 
Yeah. Interesting. So mm. that's uh, Margot Ledbetter, greatest TV characters of all time. People are still sending in their votes, uh, e- even though Nelly's said no more votes. But, but it's still nice to read them. But I love when people go, oh, I forgot to do such and such. I love getting those. So mm. hooray at boxcutters.net is the email address if you want to send those in. Gary Postman, I have a letter for you. No, I'm just the postman. 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 Our next letter comes from John Richards. I've forgotten who sent this in. Can, oh, you, can you look it up? I can't look stupidly, it up because my internet's as slow Ms. as... Mr. Brett, if you get a chance to, to look on our blog, this was sent in for the episode when we talked to Abby Kidabi and to uh, Elmo. That's not who we actually talked to, is it? We talked to Kevin Clash and... Uh, Leslie, Leslie Carrera-Rudolph. Uh, yes, and, and Leslie with two names. And Carrera-Rudolph. Uh, someone, someone, one of our <laughs> one lovely... One day she will be as famous <laughs> as Kevin Clash. One of our lovely, lovely, lovely listeners sent in this link to a report from ACMA. Now, we mock ACMA a lot, so let's keep doing from, that. From uh, Gary Boxcutter? Gary Boxcutter. Oh, thanks, Gary Boxcutter. Thank now, this is... I've, I've printed off the whole thing. This is the, the ACMA investigation report number 2307. Um, it's a complaint made against the ABC for the episode of Sesame Street that played on the 2nd of June 2009. Oh, that was a good one. Oh, it was a great one. Yeah, now, yeah. now, this is the great thing about this. It's a full-on, bureaucratically written government report. Um, it boils down to someone complained that there was witchcraft in the episode, which was inappropriate for the target age group, which is rated G. And it turns out that uh, witchcraft is um, not compliant... Uh, as a theme. There's a thing about themes. There's a little description here of what it might be breaching. There's a description of what the program is, which is quite fascinating to see someone describe Sesame Street because it's just something we all know. It's Sesame Street. Description? It's Sesame Street. So, yeah, see, defined about a long-running American children's television series which uses a combination of animation puppets and live actors to present educational material, blah, 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 blah. goes on a very long way. Um... The episode involves a scene in which uh, Elmo and Zoe are competing to see who can wear the most hats on their head. When they run out of hats, Abby Kadabi, another puppet character, casts a spell using her magic wand to make more hats appear. Now, the person uh, had apparently complained to the ABC, didn't get the result they wanted. They had written a letter into ACMA complaining uh, that it was unsafe to show this, and whether you believe it or not, witchcraft is a very real practice and a very dangerous activity for adults and children. Now, the thing I really like here is at the very bottom, Ackman's basically said this is a load of nonsense. So, 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 hang on, hang on. Firstly, this person thinks that it's witchcraft rather than the fact that Abigadabi is a fairy. A fairy in training. Yeah, no, no, because they're saying it's witchcraft. Witchcraft because right. it's spells. Spells and magic witchcraft. Right. Yeah. So, uh, in here, the Ackman's had to go through it, and they've got uh, themes, and they've, they've broken this down here. Uh, several scenes which contain mild themes. At 10 minutes, puppet character Abby Kadabi appears waving her magical wand. She casts a spell to try and create more hats, but it backfires and bats with hats appear on Elmo and Zoe's heads in de- instead. At 11 that minutes, funny. Count Von Count, a vampire puppet character, appears to help count the hats. See, I think the vampire puppet thing's more alarming <laughs> than anything else that's mentioned in here. At 13 minutes, Abby Kadabi calls her mother on the phone to ask for help, saying, quote, I need a spell. Now, this is the bit I really like. This is a summation on page four. This is the final bit of the report. The character of Abby Kadabi, who's described as, quote, a three-year-old Muppet fairy in training, is depicted in the program as a fairy and has fairy-type wings on her back and carries a pink fairy wand, which she uses to cast spells. In this episode, Abby's spells are shown to backfire to comic effect. The casting of spells in this context is not considered a constituent it constitute a depiction of witchcraft. The treatment of Abby's magic is considered to be careful and discreet. While young children may mimic Abby's use of a wand and wear fairy wings, 
this is not considered to be dangerous behaviour. <laughs> it's therefore considered the program does not exceed the due classification requirement for themes. I think it was lovely Gary to tell us about this. And also, because our taxpayers' dollars pay for somebody to spend possibly up to two days researching and writing this paper to tell us that Abby Kadabi is not evil. <laughs> Thank you, Mark. Thank you, Gary. Uh, if you want to let us know about something, you can always leave a comment on the blog. We do read them all and uh, and uh, and take what you say seriously. Hmm. We do. Uh, so leave a comment on the blog or email us hooray at boxcutters.net. If you watch one thing. I have a I have a problem with my uh, with my one thing. Uh oh, because it's have in one thing? it's no I've got I've got one I've got one, but it's in it's in that time slot where I don't know to, if I should call it Saturday night or Sunday morning. I, I would think it was Saturday night, but it's but it's after midnight. But it's after midnight. So officially, it's Sunday morning. But uh, let's so call it Saturday night, Sunday morning. Saturday night, Sunday morning, twelve forty-five. Ah, uh, yeah. On go, so quarter to one. In the morning slash Saturday night, uh, on go, a movie, 1966 movie called The Reptile. <laughs> it's about uh, Kerry Packer. Uh, oh, I wish, I wish. No, it's better. It's better than that. It's about a couple who move to a small village and discover that the village uh, pe- people in the village start dying from what seem to be snake bites. And are they snake bites? Well, they're kind of snake bites because the uh the, uh, the there's a a scientist neighbor, Dr. Franklin, whose wife is half snake half woman. <laughs> See, I, I thought maybe it was going to be a vampire puppet, but now, no. I've just spoiled that for you. Oh. If, if you were into the, the storyline, that's a reveal. Mind you, we don't know which half is snake and which half is a woman, so that's still something to discover. Well, we can assume that her teeth are her teeth because of the, the you, bites. You might assume that. But it could just be the teeth on one side. Like, is it her left half and her right half? <laughs> yeah. Or is it her front half and her back half? I mean, we don't it comes know. out of her belly like alien. We don't Maybe know. her bottom half's a snake and she just carries like a you know, serving prong thing with her, a serving fork and just wax it into people because uh, she's and- angry. And I believe uh, includes Australian Ray Barrett. Oh, bless him! It, yeah, in uh, in in one of the roles. There's a man who couldn't choose his roles. <laughs> uh, so that's that's what I'll be watching. And you know what? I probably will. My one thing for the week is on SBS at uh, 10 p.m. on Tuesday night. It's Hot Docs uh, this week about Shadow Billionaire, DHL founder and billionaire Larry Hilblom seemed to have vanished into thin air when he failed to return from a routine flight in his vintage CB. Even before he was officially declared dead, bar girls throughout Asia came forward claiming to have children by Larry and seeking a piece of his vast fortune. Hmm. Shadow Billionaire unravels the secretive life of uh, an enigmatic and reclusive tycoon. Uh, The battle over his estate took on epic proportions with all those Asian bar girls... Is this spoiler now? Uh, no, this is, spoiler this, now. this is all uh, blurb from uh, from the ICTV guide. Uh, 
Turns out the bar girls are half snake, half Peter, why, why can't you just summarise for <laughs> us? Impoverished teenage prostitutes. Why, why do you have to read out the whole thing? Larry's Brett? former why business can't you just associates. Why can't you just go, it's about this. It's about the guy who's the D- head of DHL who disappeared one day, but then a whole lot of women throughout Asia started saying they had children by him. It's a documentary. It's on SBS. Why I've can't gone, you just say I've that? I've gone purely on the blurb. I've got no idea what it's going to be like, but uh, it attracted my eye for this week. There wasn't much, actually. And, and I guess for you also, there, there wasn't much that uh, really what got you The impressed. reptile. Yeah, yeah but... Yeah. Well, my, my one 12.45 thing... 12.45 on a, on a Brett, Saturday your, night, your homework, morning. Your homework for next week yes. is to precy the Ice TV <laughs> blurb well, into, into things that are kind of your own words. My one thing involves travel of both air and time. Um, I watched the first episode of The Big C... The other day, which is the new Laura, Laura Linney. Oh, I love Laura. I want to say it's HBO drama, but it probably isn't. But it feels like one. Yeah, it's HBO in type, if not on the actual channel. Could be Showtime. Oh, it is Showtime. No, you're right. It's a Showtime drama. Laura Linney. Has, I love. Have I mentioned that I love Laura Linney? Uh, well, who doesn't? She's great. Um, she has cancer, so you know, you know, it's award winning oh. to begin off with. Oh, it's cancer. It's uh, yeah, and it's uh, it's like the L word. Um, <laughs> it's called the big set. You thought it was about crayons. Yes. Yeah, yeah, and, yeah. Uh, no. Barry Crocker, uh, and <laughs> basically, it's Laura. Lenny what plays are you character. calling Barry Crocker? <laughs> She's been very repressed. She gets cancer. She wants to change her life. First episode was great. I really, really enjoyed the first episode. Uh, second and third have already gone to air, and I'm sure in that time travel I'll be doing um, to my computer in America last week, uh, I, will, I will watch them then. So You're... You're amazing. It's amazing that you have time to do to, to build a time machine. I know. And I know. write scripts for Outline. I know. Episode one again. Yeah, again. Again. It's, it's, it's your own personal Groundhog Day. Shut up. Shut up. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Now, a couple of things. One is the last few episodes have been quite long, yes. uh, more than 80 minutes. So I've purposefully timed this one short. Just to waste that uh, space on the CDs of the people that <laughs> convert it back to CD audio and then burn it onto well, the Well, how CD. Short, short are we? Because you did have Joss Whedon on your list and you've, you've tossed that. Oh, I'm putting that in pork. Oh. Are we up to that yet? Yeah, that just happened, didn't it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of... <laughs> no. Um... I, I tweeted the uh, uh, other day, and people may have seen it. They may not have seen it. Uh, I'm Sealfur on Twitter, if you want to follow me, Sealfur. Uh, that uh, I discovered, well, I didn't discover. Uh, my girlfriend discovered that I am not eligible for The Amazing Race. Oh! Why, why is that? Clause F mm-hmm. in the eligibility, eligibility So is it just going to be John and I? In the, in yeah, the team yeah, on the Amazing Firstly, well, can't be, Nelly come with? Oh, firstly, no, it would on. be John and me, not John and I. And <laughs> secondly, no, you're also ineligible. Are you sure? John's also why? ineligible. Oh, why are we ineligible? And Nelly as as well. Uh, so I was so gonna, anybody interesting is ineligible. I, I was going to go in a team with my brother. My brother and I have been uh, talking about <laughs> being in uh, an Amazing Race team and, and do, doing the race ever since the what, first what's season. What's your novelty of, of thing, race. though? Because just being brothers isn't enough now. Does he have a spike embedded in his head or something? Oh, no, no, we brothers were, with spikes in their head. Urban couch Jews. That's what we were going to be. <laughs> oh, that's nice. And, uh, yeah. you know, yeah. so we, we, don't do, we don't do much, but we love TV and we love the Amazing Race. So that's that's what we were going to do. It be. travels well. Yeah, I think so. Uh, so that that was going to be our hook. 
But so we were working it all out and we were planning it and blah, blah, blah. And then uh, Lindell comes up with the, oh, clause F. Which is? You must be applying in your personal and private capacity and represent and warrant that you are not an employee of or in any way associated with any news or media outlet, including any web-based media outlet, either in Australia or elsewhere. Wow. Are we an outlet? Yes. The fact that they've gone web-based as well. That's yeah. Yeah, they knew. Oh, are we news? You sure that wasn't specifically the David Knox clause? <laughs> I, you know what? I would like to see David Knox in a... Uh, oh, me and David Knox. Yeah. We would fight all the time. <laughs> you didn't source that. You didn't source that. Uh, the, uh, <laughs> this means Andrew Bolt can't enter. That saddens me. Yeah. And so I think this is because they... Andrew Bolt and Jermaine Greer handcuffed together. <gasps> Wouldn't that be, be great? Excellent. With those explosive collars, so they try and leave the show, their heads will blow up. <laughs> well, there is, I, I did see some chatter about the celebrity uh, Amazing Race. I think, uh, oh, it's not going to happen. No? There was chatter about it not going to happen. Someone asked Phil Cogan ah. in an interview if it would ever happen, and Phil said, no, that would never happen. That was the chatter. Just that it would never happen. But, you know, if Ben Cousins was running it and uh, they did an Australian one, you could get Celebrity Amazing Race with Andrew Bolt. And Jermaine Greer, handcuffed Jermaine Greer, handcuffed together. Together. That, that'd be fun. So the uh, uh, so that counts us all out, and also the uh, the the guys from TV Revolution. Uh, when I tweeted that, they tweeted back saying, "Yeah, we know we went how, through the same how, thing because they were, they were going to do a team together." Would they check though? Do you think? I don't know. I'm curious to know how the other one, solid that F clause. Can you say no? I'm not that Josh Kanat. <laughs> uh, there's a, another there's another clause somewhere about having to. Uh, give them every single uh, URL that you are involved with. So you, you've got to provide them with every single bit of yourself that's on the web. Right. Uh, and there's a lot of that. Yeah, they'd know. They'd know. Plus... Even, uh, even your friskyjews.com profile? Yeah. Yeah, totally. J Your head's not in that, though. Well, not that head. Yeah, it's a torso down. It's, a- it's, it's not most. Re- it's, it's not the most recognisable part of my body. No, apparently. Apparently. <laughs> uh, so that's. It's, I, I was really. I was really devastated uh, when uh, when I, I discovered that, and um, so. <sighs> Lindell can still enter. Sure. She can. That's not me entering, though, is it? That's not. But vicariously. Yeah, great. I wouldn't be jealous of that at all. She could send you postcards. That wouldn't... <laughs> she could wave at you from the telly. That wouldn't cause problems in the relationship <laughs> at all. At all. Hey, uh, John. Yeah. In other disappointing things, we went to see Joss Whedon separately last, last Friday night. Um, uh, us and I think about 98% of Facebook, as far as yes. I can tell, all went out on the one evening. That was weird. That do was you, really strange. Do you, know someone who lives, know. do you know someone who lives in Melbourne or Sydney? <laughs> then you know someone who yeah. went to see Joss Whedon on the weekend. Joss Whedon appeared at the Melbourne Town Hall uh, being interviewed for the Melbourne Writers Festival, and it was alarmingly everyone I've ever met in my life in one room. Uh. Disappointed that Joss Whedon was being interviewed and not giving a keynote address, as was advertised in the uh, in the program. See, I went in assuming it would be an interview, I think, so I was perhaps less disappointed on that than who you were. Who interviewed him? Sue Turnbull, uh, who was... Women in film and TV? 
Yeah. And yeah, look, and I don't want to sound look. This this is probably going to sound arrogant, but I'm amazing at everything. No, this is going to sound arrogant, but I was you halfway, could have done a better interview. Well, we halfway through, I was thinking, wow, if Fox Cutters was doing this, we might actually be learning something. It was a terrible interview. And who organised Sue Turnbull to do it? I don't know. Well, the weird thing is, I didn't know who she was. I assumed that 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 she didn't know who he was and was was just you know some casual person thinking this was a thing for a casual audience. I found it afterwards. She's written like papers and. And, yeah, yeah, and she, academic work. So she knows. She knows heaps. And but, so, presumably, but, she panicked and went the other way, and gave us gave us this blandest, most shallow interview. That she wasn't involved in setting up the Buffy major, was she? I don't know. Yeah, the, act, the, she the, well the, the official saying, yeah, university study. I know more of Buffy. I, I'll declare now. I know more about Joss Whedon than I do about Sue Turnbull. Uh, but what I do know about Sue Turnbull is that. Uh, she has friends, and she has read the Joss Whedon uh, comic book Frey. Yeah, I know those things clear. about uh, Sue Turnbull because she mentioned them a number of times, and it, that was it. It was just the putting Q&A. The, yeah. The, the, in this this uh, Q and A sold out within two hours of going on sale. People there were big Joss Whedon fans, and mm-hmm. the fact that nothing was asked on stage that everyone in the audience didn't already know. At the end of the piece, they went to questions from the audience, and that's when we finally got some interesting questions that were actually stuff we might care about or not know. And that and, was, yeah, disappointing. And so this was a, a whole bunch of Joss Whedon fans paid $55 to find out things that they already knew about Joss Whedon. What? 55 bucks. It was really, it was really disappointing and a huge opportunity wasted, I think. Mm. Joss Whedon was very good. He was answering questions as uh, as best he could. But the questions being asked of him... He's looking sporty too. I've got to say, he's looking good. He's, aside from... Uh, Remember, he, he used to have hair at the front of his head as well as yeah, towards yeah, the back. Yeah, now he just has it towards the but, back. You know, so he's going Ron Howard. A little bit Ron Howard. But looking a lot you know, a lot sort of fitter than, yeah. than he would look on, on your... With a personal trainer. Yeah, it's a bit of personal trainer vibe going on. Um, uh, and so, and so the, you know, there were great things, but there were opportunities there to ask about uh, what he's doing with the Avengers, how he, how he sees the Avengers being different. And uh, so many opportunities to talk about television and, and comic books and film and how they all differ. And just Weirdly enough, at the end, I realized there was no specific thing said about anything. It's like, like he made one reference to one line he'd written for Willow in episode six of season one. And that was kind of the only actual finite comment he made about anything in his work. It was all kind of very, very surface, very vague. Apart from that. Yeah. I was, you know, I, I've waited a long time to be in the same room as Joss Whedon and I, it's just, I was quite disappointed. It it could have been a lot better. On the so the take home message is Sue Turnbull sucks. Well, a little bit. I mean, Joss so, Whedon is a very funny man. It was very funny. He was very engaging and amusing. It's just the, thing, the fact that we could have all probably written down the answers to the questions before. Well, maybe maybe them. maybe we should get him in and do a proper interview with him next time he's we, in the country. We, tried. we tried. It's not we tried. That unusual for him to get down here. Uh, jo- John and I, uh, John and I did an attack on two fronts, and uh, classic the pincer move. Yeah, the pincer move. The uh, the Malachi crunch. Uh-huh. And I'm not getting that wrong again. I even went through the, the Malachi crunch. No, yeah. it's last time I called it the Karachi Crunch. Oh, there you go. Uh, I went through the people I knew at the Writers Festival. I did. Yeah, I, I spoke. I spoke to the publicist directly. Yeah. I spoke to. I spoke to Joss Whedon's friends on the internet. I. I did everything I could to to get an interview, and apparently, just was hardly doing any. He was doing the the big ones. Apparently, there were only he only had three hours. Uh, where he was doing interviews, and the rest of the time, I think he was uh, smuggling koalas. Mm. 
And his right, it was all health food. Was it? Yeah, yeah, I got told that. All health food? All health food, apparently. Does a summer roll count as, a, as health food? I think sometimes it does. If you it's buy it from a chemist. Seeds. Hmm. Yeah, if you buy it from a chemist, it's health food. If you buy it from a snack bar, it isn't. Apparently, you can't get junk it now from chemists. You can't get junk it from supermarkets, only from chemists. <laughs> Is it behind the counter? Like, do you have to give a, a, a thing saying, I'm over 60? I, I don't <laughs> think they track who's buying how oh, okay. much junk it. Right. No, it's not shooter uh, ephedrine. What's junk it? Um, it's like a runnier custard. Uh, no, 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 it goes quite solid. It, it's, yeah, it's like custard for old people. Yeah. Not as sweet. People who fought in the war and don't know why, any better. Why do they eat it? Does it taste good? Or, no, it's or horrible it stuff. It's some kind of it's, fiber. Oh, it used to be tablets and you'd crush it up and you put... Uh, so I remember because when I was a kid, my mum remembered it from when she was a kid. She went out and bought some and I remember this clearly. Uh, quite a small time. We made it up. Mum went, this is what we used to have for dessert. And then we had some went, it's awful. She went, yeah, no, it's terrible. But it was pink. Why do we eat this? Because it was pink. <laughs> yeah, but even my mother had this crushing moment of disappointment when she had junk it. Wow, now I need to get some junket. <laughs> so what you should have done was just yeah. sprinkle some sugar on top, get a blowtorch, uh, creme, creme brulee. brulee. Yeah, yeah. Creme brulee, the French junket. <laughs> <laughs> that brings us to the end, clearly, of Box Cutters episode 239. I want to say thanks very much to us for being excellent. <laughs> Until Everybody next- take note. And surely, surely if we're enough of a media outlet not to be allowed to enter the amazing race, then we should be enough to get Joss Whedon in the next time he's in the country. I know. This is uh, – I, I, I really – I called up the publicist ready ready to go. We've had – Elmo! <laughs> we've had Elmo on our show! Elmo! We had Elmo, damn it! Maybe you should still apply – just so you can get the rejection letter, so you can show that to publicists saying, "Look, we're so important. Amazing we race can't be the amazing us. race." Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think it's it's the fact that we're not we're legitimate. I, I don't think it's the, it's the fact that we're not legitimate. I just think it's that maybe we're too excellent. Maybe he was scared. Maybe he only wanted the softball, Sue Turnbull questions. Maybe he wasn't ready for the hardcore box cutters questions. She tells us about that woman she bumped into, named her Dog Buffy. Oh, yeah, that was a great story, Sue Turnbull. Thanks very much for that. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm Joe Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. It was weird you saying Josh. I thought it <laughs> You said uncertain, like you weren't sure if you were Brett Cropley or not. Catch us again next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. He's not. And hey, let's be careful out there. Or is it? Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this show pretty much each and every week. Don't forget to pay off your subscription by September 22nd to be in the running for some great prizes. If you enjoyed this episode of Box Cutters, then go to the iTunes Music Store or Facebook or Twitter or something and write a review. Spread the word and help other people find this show so that they can enjoy it too. Don't be so selfish, really. If you're looking for us on Twitter, we're at BoxCuttersCast and our Facebook page is facebook.com forward slash boxcutters. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or through the Contact Us link on the blog, which you'll find at boxcutters.net. You can also send us an SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458-CUTTER. Hey, Brett, you know what John and I forgot to say? When? Uh, during, during the show. Probably during pork. Oh, I'm on the wrong mic. <laughs> You're on the wrong mic. I am on the wrong mic, sorry. That's what happens when you get up and stand oh, around. No. We, we meant to say it during pork. Yes. And, and we didn't.
John is going to be appearing at three different panels. Uh, AussieCon 4, which is the World Science Fiction Convention happening this weekend coming. And Where is that? It's at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Where is that? Uh, it's In next Melbourne. Next to the new Exhibition Centre. Next to Jeff's shed. It's a it's a little <laughs> it's a little isthmus. It seems nobody can tell me. It's a little isthmus. It's, it, it's weird though. It's new. No one's used it apart from uh, Labor. Uh, apparently, during the election, had that slightly awkward speech that Julia made about about. Well, I, I've neither won nor lost. Um, she was actually at the Melbourne Convention Centre. Apparently, when that happened. So it's not Jeff's shed. It's, it's the next one. No, it's next to it's new. It's next to it's next to Jeff's shed, but near where Hollywood side. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. It has new Convention Centre smell. Apparently, right. Uh, so, jo- John is going to be appearing at three panels uh, during AussieCon, which is the... Is that the same thing over and over and over again? Uh, no, one is about no. being a geek in Melbourne. Well, no, one's about uh, pop culture locations in Melbourne as part of, yes, geekdom. Uh, I will be doing a presentation of the short film of Outland and then a discussion about the development of it as a TV show. And the third one is and, a panel... And, and obviously speaking all the way through until uh, it became the ABC hit of the year. Yeah, yeah. 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 And the, the third one, which is you know, the most exciting and now slightly awkward, uh, it's a panel called Writing for Doctor Who, in which Robert Shearman, who wrote Dalek, and Paul Cornell, who wrote uh, f- um, uh, Father's Day and uh, The Family of Blood, will be They come in and talk about Doctor Who. To, yes, and I'll interview them about Writing for Doctor Who. I have now been told one of the guests might not want to be talking about Doctor Who anymore, so that, that might uh, make it awkward. So I have asked the lovely Josh if he can come in and do some tap dancing. And, and I will. I will be doing some, uh, some tap dancing live during that... Uh, during that, that's Sunday at five o'clock. Yes, uh, in room two. Um, at Ozicon. At Ozicon four. The website is up. It's the World Science Fiction Convention. So I've, people I've, from all around the world have come here. It's it's the sixty eighth. I think I've got a, a I've got a house guest uh, at the moment who uh, who has come from Silicon Valley, especially for uh, Ozicon. Uh, and uh, w- when I emailed him and said, I hear you're coming to Melbourne, apparently it's a, is it a, a big thing. Gone, you have no idea, do you? You have absolutely no idea. There, there are rumours there are actually be celebrities who are not on the lists who apparently like to come incognito just so they can... They can come. And they're Darth Vader masks. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's, the, not, uh, it's not quite like Comic-Con, but apparently it's, yeah, it's, it's more like a writer's festival in which famous people will not want you to realise that they're there. I don't want to say too much, but reanimated calls of John Gielgud. That is the rumour. That that is that, that is, that is one of the rumours. So five o'clock Sunday in room two. Uh, John and I will be talking Doctor Who or tap dancing with Rob Sherman and or Paul Cannell, which I, I'm, I'm very excited about. I'm very excited to be part of uh, of AussieCon Four, Ozzy AussieCon Three, 1999. Who remembers that? No one. But yeah, and I'm a big big fan of Rob Sherman, big fan of Paul Cannell. I'm looking forward to meeting the two of them. I mean, who remembers 1999, not who remembers AussieCon 3, because that was gold, clearly. Uh, I also hope that uh, with all the uh, Sue Turnbull bashing that we've done, uh, we don't get compared to her. (laughs) Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to, or have just missed, Box Cutters.